0: Thursday the 18th of October is Anti-Slavery Day, a day to raise awareness really of human trafficking and modern slavery. And I'm joined by Kevin Highland, Senior Advisor to the Santa Marta Group, which is the church's response to human trafficking and modern slavery, and formerly of course the UK's first independent Anti-Slavery Commissioner Kevin, how are you?
1: I'm very well, I'm glad to be here.
0: Glad to have you here. Well, first of all really, you know, I've read that we are the world leaders when it comes to modern slavery and our response to it. And I know you played obviously a big part in the legislation, the Modern Slavery Act, in 2015. But I guess really our legislation is only world class if it's implemented properly.
1: Is it being implemented properly, do you think? So when we talk about the legislation, I think it is a very good piece of legislation and is leading in the world in many ways. However, as you rightly say, it's the implementation. What does it translate into? And there's many areas of that that really need to be uh, better implemented, better used, and actually uh, what it was intended to do, being allowed to do that. So, for example, the support for victims, you know, the fact that two elements of the Act, which are relevant to victims, have not been properly enacted, and they need to be enacted, and they need to be as uh, wide-ranging that they provide the support to victims, not just to identify them, which is essential, Not just for the 45 days, which is also important, but that they have long-term support that actually turns a victim into a person who is then part of a community, not just an elastoplast response.
0: So a a victim to a survivor in that sense?
1: Yeah, a victim to a survivor, to a member of a community, somebody who can uh, have education, somebody who can have a job, somebody who can become a member of a family, somebody who is just another member in society who is an equal uh, that's important that they're an equal, that they're not treated as somebody who is in a system and we will give them you know, the minimum that we can arrange through that system. And at the moment, I don't think it's achieving what we all hoped it would. At the moment, it doesn't give the education opportunities, the employment opportunities and that which is essential, that feeling of equality.
0: And if one was to be harsh, you could say, well, the government's promised a lot. And systems aren't really very easy to implement at times, so one needs to be patient. But at the same time, all we've seen really, certainly since promises in October 2017 to actually have this 45 days of support, but have we not only really seen a cut in the subsistence allowance for victims from that £65 to £37.75? So we've only really seen a cut. Have we actually seen any positivity out of this?
1: Well... uh and as many may remember, this time, 12 months ago, I announced recommendations and they were agreed by the government. They were about extending the period of time. It was about a six-month drop-in centre afterwards. It was about giving direct access to victims so they didn't have to go through a, a whole process to get into the system. It was about giving them recognition that they needed in order to become that survivor and that member of the community. And as you rightly say, there's been a cut or as they would say, a realignment. But this only applies to people who are in the asylum system. So we've now got a two-tier system. If you are a victim and you are not an asylum seeker, you will still get the old rates. If you're an asylum seeker, you get the new lower rates. And what's shocking about that is that I was contacted when I was commissioner by a number of support agencies saying that now it's got to the point where people can't even do things like go to church because they can't pay for the bus or the train. And that's where they used to get their support. That's where they used to get sometimes food, but it'd be where they got that, you know, that relationship to build into being a person for the future. So, you know, there's a backward step on that. And if you actually look at it, the things that were promised 12 months ago, as you rightly say, one thing's come in, which is a cut. And when you're talking about leaders, leader is about you set the example, you go out there, you show the standard and you make it happen. So we may have leading legislation, but have we got leading uh, services and uh, uh, implementation that actually helps the people and if we help the people, as I've said all along when I was commissioner and my experience when I was a police officer, if we support them right, the chances of catching the criminals are incredibly increased because they will have trust in you and other people will be more likely to come forward there are some that are saying there will be an abuse of the system because it will be you know, weak because people will find it very attractive we've got to health system here, which, you know, again, is a great world leader. And we set that up. So it helps people. We've got other things that people abuse insurance systems, but we don't stop doing them just because a small amount may abuse them. We make the systems robust, we make them effective. So that I don't buy one bit, the system needs to be there to support the victims of modern slavery, so that when they are identified, they are supported, they are given the chance to become part of society and they become full human beings, equals.
0: Well, I think we'd all like to see that happen, certainly. And clearly, a victim-centered approach is what the Santa Marta group, what the church advocates. Now, obviously, in your role and your previous role, you work closely with government. The 18th of October is you know, a day where awareness is being raised and a, a time for us to talk. What realistically can they do, do you think, in the short term, that, that isn't difficult to implement?
1: Well, one of the challenges is that they need to have the experts in the room who deliver these things. So when we're talking about a a national referral mechanism, you need the healthcare specialists who are in the decision making. You need the educational specialists. You need those from local authorities who are in the decision making and law enforcement and immigration so that those decisions are made by people with the skills and the expertise and can make them fairly quickly because they will have that knowledge and they won't have to go and refer on everything. So what they need to do is look at what they've promised over the last two to three years and start to deliver it robustly and give a timeline to people, let the public know what that's going to be and implement it You know really quickly and robustly and then make it effective. So really, it's about delivering what they've promised. But there are other things. See, a real key thing about leadership is it's um, about acting in that way yourself. So if we look at one element of the Modern Slavery Act, which is about supply chain transparency, it doesn't apply to government procurement and government services. And if you think across the world, one in five unit of currency spent is spent by governments. 66% of the global economy sits in the G20 countries. If we could tidy all that up and make sure that money was ethically spent, then we've got a chance of really achieving a change on this. So that needs government leadership to say we're not going to allow any of our money to be spent on human trafficking or modern slavery or exploitation. And in fact, I think we as the taxpayers haven't empowered them to do that. In fact, we've done the opposite. So we should actually publicly say we're withdrawing your right to allow modern slavery and human trafficking to enter into your procurement models. So if we can tidy up that act, suddenly we have got leadership. That's difficult but sometimes the best things are very difficult.
0: Now a final question, we should always, in fact what you're saying really is we should all practice what we preach including the civil service, the UK government. What can we do, I've asked you this before, in our parishes, what should we use the 18th of October and on to, to do, to highlight and to act?
1: So we've got the 18th of October, which is obviously an EU-wide date, and we've got the 8th of February, which is more about the Catholic Church, which is St Josephine Bikita Day. And these are points to remember. Remember, you know, what does faith say? What does the Catholic Church say about fellow people? And we should be treating people with respect. We should be looking at them with dignity. So there's a duty if you're an employer, if you work with someone, if you are using services to make sure that those people are treated equally, not treated differently because of where they come from or because of the way they speak or because of their gender. We need to treat everybody equally. That's stage one, because that is why we have things like modern slavery, because people are seen as a commodity, not as an equal. So we need to live and breathe that in everything we do. But there is also a practical thing, what can churches do, what can parishes do? And I think once they're aware of this issue, then they can raise it At the parish level, they can raise it politically in their local areas. They can start to raise it with the police. They can start to raise it with the local authority. And as the taxpayers, as the people who are in those communities can start saying, what are you doing? What are you doing to make sure there is nobody in this area who is suffering like that, whether it be in a factory, car wash, agricultural sector? But also, if we find people that are in those situations, what is available for them? And that's where the church can come in because the church can reach communities that are hard to reach who may be in the agricultural sector who may be in food packing maybe in fisheries and then what they can do is have local networks where they know where to take them to be safeguarded and the church is sending around information about that with some telephone numbers that they should all get to know and have up in the churches of who they can contact and that then safeguarding can be put into place but know about it understand what it is Make sure you're treating people with equality so that they will trust you, which the church can play a big part in. And then when you identify and see it, know where to turn to for that support. And I think if we can get those four things lined up, we suddenly can have the Catholic church, which is already doing so much on this issue, not just in the United Kingdom, but internationally. If we think of some of the things that have been achieved by the Catholic church, you know, assisting in getting a sustainable development goal, bringing things together internationally, pushing the UN into a certain direction well you know we need to remember though this is about men women and children who are living in our communities here in England and Wales and also we can be the driver for change that stops those men women and children whether they're here in the UK or in Nigeria or in Vietnam or wherever it is in the world we can be the leaders that can actually say we've got to stop this and we've got to start treating people with equality.
0: Kevin Highland, as always, thank you very much. Good to still have your strong, authoritative voice alongside us in this. Thank you very much.